Thing and going live. We'll see what that means in a second. As I hope it's all fine and the microphone's all fine. Hollow if it's not. Um, yeah, hey, uh, let's play. Hello and welcome to the LOP Radio Raw Review. It's not LOP Radio anymore, is it? It's Wrestling Headlines. Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and will also be available in podcast form later as well. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net for all your latest wrestling news and we're onto the road to tables ladders chairs and all of that stuff lovely 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 and the number one contenders matches setting up things for to happen there site council here immediately nice to see you see you nice <laughs> so um immediate briefing for this raw review imp is running on four hours sleep it's currently midnight let's do this <laughs> let's bang this out let's see how well this goes so i might get a bit weird and things might get a bit strange a bit a bit off track um or entirely on track, just if I have a different, if I, because normally sometimes I've been this tired and done a show like this when I've tried tangents, that they just I just end up stuttering into nothing. <laughs> so we'll see. So this might include quite a few. I'll call them dead ends. <laughs> it's like I'm going somewhere. It's like oh wait no no gotta just reverse out of there. <laughs> and off we go down the road again. So that might be this show again. But it's the first of December for me. It's already the second of December for. Advent Calendar Day episode of uh, the Raw Review. Let's get through it all. Well, to be fair, let's start with the main topic of the show, which was the number one contenders match. AJ Styles is the number one contender for Tables, Ladders and Chairs for Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship. After the triple threat match against, if I can scroll down to it, the uh, Keith Lee, AJ Styles and Matt Riddle, uh, it was announced as a sudden death triple threat match. Because they're not going to do... <laughs> it's good for one form, mate. <laughs> it's what it is. Uh, but yeah. So in terms of like the... In terms of this, I am excited for AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre. I feel like um, Drew McIntyre himself saying this match is going to be phenomenal and putting it over like that. Uh, I like Drew McIntyre not running down his opponent. He's building him up as well as... You know, I was going to knock him down later in subsequent weeks, but Drew McIntyre tonight was like, no, it's AJ Styles. Like, He's a really good wrestler. Will have a hell of a contest. Like, yeah, as a true babyface champion, I like that. He's not running down the baddie because he's a baddie. He's not going to go through bullet point critiques of his characters. Like, no, he's a fantastic wrestler, first and foremost. Like, oh, I like that. <laughs> Just there's little bits of character that have seeped into like WWE's characters that weren't here before this year to accidentally rhyme. <laughs> so it's great to see them like creeping in with this little thing. There's still sort of like massive issues now then with the continuity of, especially like just. Pretend you haven't been watching more than three weeks, as, as in if you've got like a memory wipe after each point, and oh, well, WWE's amazing. He <laughs> won't spot so many things. But this year has been so much better for those critiques that I have. So that's something. There's another example here with the uh, Drew McIntyre AJ Styles exchange building. To, it was it was a light build, which is another thing as well. Uh, just kind of progressing it nicely because it can't be that long to TLC. I, I've not actually checked when it is. Actually, if I get that up, and hopefully my laptop doesn't have a meltdown as I'm doing it. TLC 2020. TLC 2020, it takes place on 20th of December. Ah, cool. I was jokingly going to take the uh, the week off <laughs> of Christmas. Let me figure that out. 20th is, yeah, it's the week of Christmas, isn't it? Because Christmas is on a Friday this year. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, so, yeah, I'll do Teal's. Oh, I'm going to be tired for Christmas. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, English fans are going to be tired for Christmas, but I won't do Raw and NXT that week. That week. I think that's smart. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to be done. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's two weeks away. So we've got two more episodes of Raw after this. So I feel like, yeah, that's pretty good progression, really. That's fine. Perfectly fine progression to go from... Also, this will be a, a much more relaxed version <laughs> of the Raw review. The T just being held within shot. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this is a... It's not got much left. Let's, let's be chill. <laughs> kind of stream. Uh, but, yeah, with, with with the build to TLC, they've got to kind of go through it. And I felt like this week was a kind of show of respect and then show of what could be used as an escalation point at the end of the show next week you get or angry angry and the week after that is uh proper like contentious angry stuff yeah it felt like it was a good idea because i feel like uh they could have tried to do something big to try and really make you care but this was no one-on-one contenders match drew respects him as a wrestler but now we get to see why he doesn't respect him as a person is in you show don't tell and that's what they've done here so applause for wwe uh, but the triple threat itself uh, keith lee aj styles and matt riddle i in terms of like each person, I can't overstate how Lee's entire persona uh, has really benefited. Like the, his his whole presentation benefits so much from his own theme. It's just that one change, and it's meant so much to his presentation. Like honestly, I think this has made me realise I was more annoyed with the generic rock than I was like any of the other thing, things I would complain about. So like, actually, yeah, him doing his own own song. Just like he's done multiple times, everywhere else he's been. Him doing his own song, it it means so much <laughs> to his character. You can see it in terms of the presentation and like the feeling of Keith Lee when he comes out. So that one change, I think it happened the raw before Survivor Series, but it just really hit me. He's like, oh yeah, or was it? At, it's what I've at Survivor Series or the one before it. It's just like yeah, this this means a lot. <laughs> it means a lot to see it like that. Uh, but yeah, a riddle as well. Riddle's getting character too. Uh, before this match, uh, he, uh, he got two skits throughout the show into Keith Lee, rambling on and Keith Lee walks away. Uh, Riddle then uh, rambling into AJ Styles and Omar Bahin, and is, uh, he keeps calling AJ Skipper. And uh, Omar Bahin's like, huh, that's the name of his rabbit. Because <laughs> I was like, what, you've been talking to Riddle again in the name of his rabbit? He's <laughs> like, well, that, well, that's stupid. Rabbit, rabbits don't skip. You should have called him Hoppy. Hoppy's a rabbit's name. <laughs> it's just Matt Riddle just like, I couldn't call him Hoppy. Because that was already the name of my turtle. <laughs> this goes into another full-on thing. Personally, I don't mind this uh, version of Matt Riddle. For people who want uh, to, Matt Riddle to have a bit more of a serious presentation, maybe how CMC gets the heights we've seen him in both NXT and on the Indies as well. This is... Yeah, yeah he's very close to entering... I don't know, as long as he's serious in the ring, over time it might work, but short-term he's like the kind of... Uh, goof like the, uh, the the weed goofball backstage, and Rob Van Dam did a fantastic job with that balancing act. Uh, I'm interested to see how they do it with Matt Riddle. I don't trust the modern day writing team to be able to do it. <laughs> As in, I fully expect them to lean way too far, and it won't be long. My expectation is to lean way too far into the stoner stuff, and it's not long before Matt Riddle uh, kind of loses a bit of credibility. Because that's what I expect of the recent years of WWE. But as I preface this whole bit with, I've seen little bits where there's a massive, there's mass amounts of little improvements. I wouldn't say the overall show. I'm not measuring Raw on like the same level I am NXT AEW yet. They're not anywhere near like worthy of that yet. Because when I talk about cons and pros with, or give it give a star rating to AEW NXT, it's like it's it's like on a different scale. I think I said last week or a little bit before. What I feel like if I'm 
doing it on stars. Raw's like one to five, and NXT AEW I'm doing five to ten. This is a little example. It's like its own different scaling <laughs> system, really. Uh, but I would say Raw's made massive improvements. And the last, the last two weeks, I generally just enjoyed the Raw show. I didn't have any fatigue points. I just enjoyed the shows. One massive part of that was less segments. This week, I think we got nine. If I scroll past. Yes, we got nine segments this week. So uh, that was like up by two or three. Because the last two weeks, we've had like NXT numbers of segments, which is great. <laughs> Personally, I've been loving that. But I can totally see part of that was having like lengthy matches in there. And now we've had those lengthy matches. And we saw this week for a lot of those segments, they've got nothing else. <laughs> so what do we do now? How do we keep these same kind of these same wrestlers being in the same against the same opponents, but mixing it up somehow? And uh, I wasn't massive on this week's show, I'll be totally honest. But the main event stuff was great. And I feel like that's fantastic to be able to say that. Again, I was used to years of moaning about it. So the fact that a lot of my like both champions feel credible, which is fantastic. When was the last time that felt? <laughs> uh, they've uh, they've nailed that. They've built them up both really well. They continue to do so. Drew continues to feel strong, and they're kind of building up the world around him. Of uh, like his these are all the different ways Drew's kingdom could fall. It's like oh yes, <laughs> I like that. All the different people would be planning it, and likelihood is something will then happen. And the kingdom either doesn't fall or it does it in a certain way. But you built up all these different roads. Uh, and different different things that could happen depending on what characters decide to do. So yeah, it's all good stuff. For me, it's the mid card that is feeling a bit uh, but the main event is being nailed. And like most of the time, for most people, ultimately that's the big deal. Like if you drop the ball on the main event, an entire show can just. I mean, how many WWE pay per views these past few years have suffered from that? Where, and as you can tell, I'm in tangent city. But if if you have like the number of shows these this these past like five years or so where the card's been fine or it's been relatively strong, like take Hell in a Cell last year, starting with the amazing Becky Lynch Sasha Banks match, like it's almost forgotten because of the way it ended. Like the main event was the sour the sour taste at the end of that show was what it will be remembered for. So if you're nailing your main event, that's a that's a kind of your leaving note for the show, and they're doing that right now. And Jim McIntyre kicking ass as a champion. And they're building the world for his downfall. Yeah, so, uh, it's like a, if the Miz doesn't cash in at TLC, why does he have the briefcase? I don't. It's I feel like putting it on Otis was a whim. There were multiple multiple things over the summer where a lot of stuff was done on a whim, and now that they're a bit more, you know, stable, producing a bit more uh, WWE, able to do WWE style a bit more, be a bit more grounded, and uh, they can progress the storylines a lot more naturally. Rather than like panicking week to week, are we even going to have a show type stuff? Uh, Otis felt like a panic book. It was in the middle of that really weird era where they started debuting Retribution and Raw Underground, and suddenly Otis is money in the bank, and uh, and again it felt like a bit of a whim, and very quickly realised, oh crap, yeah. <laughs> so Miss has got the briefcase because he's like at least he's not Otis. I don't know. I think I'd rather he either loses it or he does win it at TLC. And defeats Drew McIntyre. Sorry, wins it at TLC. Either because Sheamus costs Drew McIntyre at TLC, and that's when Miz comes in, or and then it's Miz versus McIntyre at the Royal Rumble, or something else. I wouldn't have Miz be champion uh, personally. Like even if Miz just holds it for a month and Drew McIntyre beats him again or something, 
something strange or different, or Sheamus somehow becomes champion, <laughs> or something like that. Uh, Drew McIntyre doesn't even get a shot, it's Sheamus, I don't know. There's multiple ways he can go, but, because of a talk of doing Randy Orton versus Edge for the title, and I'm just like, it's the same, a lot of the same issues keep cropping up, <laughs> of uh, uh, like, you know, you got the opportunity to put the next generation over, and it's been how many years of kind of doing it, or you do it to one person who doesn't quite... The very main stuff was like a prime example of like them realising they needed to do it, but they didn't build to it, and they, they, they had all the opportunities to like put over that next generation, they just never did it. I'm on a massive... I'm on a tangent within a tangent. <laughs> so it's really back to the triple threat match. And, uh, yeah, it was a great triple threat telly bout. Like, all three coming off strong as the momentum swayed back and forth. A great spot with Riddle going for an armbar on Lee, who uh, then just caught him in, like, the powerbomb, holding him one-armed, and AJ charged in, only to have Riddle swung at him, like, <laughs> about to make sure to not knock my light down. It had, uh, eight, it had Keith Lee just swung Riddle at AJ Styles, who just, yeah, <laughs> swung at him by Keith, and AJ just crashed them out. I love that. Like, Lee had so many little great moments, making him look strong as hell. Uh, both Styles and Riddle launched and pounced throughout this match. Uh, but the factor of the three men came into play in the end. AJ Styles' clash cut off. Uh, Keith Lee cut off on powering up, powering out of that. Riddle won a great strike exchange with AJ, who also successfully fought off Lee. But in doing so, gave Styles just enough time to recover and fly in with a phenomenal forearm for the win. AJ Styles will face Drew McIntyre at TLC. And this was a great flying match. And... Uh, one of my like my least favourite style of triple threat is the uh, where you've got two in the ring, one on the outside, and you swap. You just rotate. You keep going until one person's down, the other one slides in, rinse and repeat. That is my least favourite. Uh, but AJ Styles uh, it was part of one of my favourite triple threats in history. <laughs> What's the bloody pay-per-view called? It was in TNA, the triple threat of Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe. And that was fantastic. To be fair, the sequel's not bad either, but like the industry has shifted so much since then that... Because that's one thing going back to that, so Unbreakable from uh, 2005, that's the pay-per-view. There's a lot, like, going back to TNA of that era, wrestling has shifted so much, it's kind of like, the kind of, like, the context I have to put it in is, imagine watching that style of wrestling that you're seeing in the main event today, during 2005 WWE, where it's big, muscly Batista or big, muscly John Cena doing their stuff, and, or you've got JBL versus, I can't remember, like, Big Show in the main event, type of thing. Then in TNA, you're seeing Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe go at a triple threat and a neck break pace and all three are in the ring at like the same time and it's causing so much havoc. <laughs> it's all about wearing them all down. It's like, yeah. That's a contest I have to put it in just to remember. It's like, yeah, seeing it at that time, it, it was like, well, it put TNA on the map. And, but yeah, so AJ Styles has got a history with fantastic triple threat matches. That was the tangent. <laughs> that was the tangent I was trying to reverse off. But yeah, so this match was also really great, and they didn't have they didn't do the two down for too long. And when they did, it was with the constant just alarm bell off of that third man's going to jump back in at any second. It wasn't that third man will tag in when the second one goes down, except for the ending technically. But it was as soon as he went down, AJ Styles was in like no time for a breather. So yeah, and in with a phenomenal forearm once again, capitalising with that forearm off a distraction or something. Uh, yeah, turning the move into a nice like heel capitalisation move. I like it. And his uh, stuff with Omar Bahin as well 
once again with Oberheim lifting him up onto the ring apron for them to charge in with a knee. So second week in a row they've done that spot. Again, I like Oberheim's presence aiding AJ Styles whilst he also never touches the opponents. So yeah, all, all good. And later on in the show, we got the main event in terms of the WWE Championships. I guess it makes sense to jump to that, which does mean, yes, I think my final segment might be on Dana Brooke versus Mia Yim. Oh, it keeps happening. I end on retribution, <laughs> even if I'm high on the show. It's like, ah, oh, the way I've ordered this, the last thing I was talking about is retribution. Oh, I've done it again. <laughs> anyway, so before the main event, uh, Drew McIntyre walked out to have a weed chin wag, a quick wah-wah with uh, Charles Caruso. Uh, Drew talked about doing exactly what he said he would to Roman Reigns because, of course, he wasn't on the show last week, so you've got to get your post-Survivor Series promo in, uh, in uh, humbling the Tribal Chief and knocking him off his pedestal. But looking to the future, he has no beef with AJ. He's the champion, and their match will be phenomenal. Total babyface. <laughs> I love this. Remind me of, like, top 90s babyface, I'd have to say that kind of thing. So, that's yes, I love that. But the main event was the build-up earlier... Shall I actually talk about the Sheamus Miz and Mars thing? That's actually quite important to like, what happened here. So, Miz TV earlier in the night, because the match was Drew McIntyre and Sheamus versus John Morrison and The Miz. And earlier in the show, we had Sheamus on Miz TV. And Sheamus was all like, wanted to prepare, prepare for his match against the two, but Miz and Morrison had a goal here. First, they made Michael Flatley jokes. Oh, timely with your 20-year-old... Irish tap <laughs> dancing uh, river dance that's the word yeah timely with your 20 year old river dance references <laughs> as always though we do keep that 50 plus demo uh, the two the two jokers tried to drive the wedge in Seamus and Drew's relationship specifically in the hope that the Irishman will turn on his friend in the main event so Miz can cash in the money in the bank contract and it's like yeah you bought, you bought him a massive chest with a whacking great claymore sword uh, what did he get you? Nothing. Uh, but Seamus, with the great babyface line of, when I buy a present for someone, I don't immediately expect something in return. Uh, quite often he started sentences like, that's the difference between me and you. <laughs> it was all you and me. He uh, started like two or three sentences in this one segment with that. Also, this was the second talk show segment in the first hour. <laughs> Damn it, D-Lo. But uh, yes, Shamu obviously laughed off uh, Miz and Morrison's attempts, uh, turned the atmosphere a tad more seriously, and soon enough they were throwing fisticuffs. Miz and Morrison winning the numbers game and walloping the lad over the back with the briefcase. So Miz and Morrison, their tactic didn't work, and later on Caruso's like, well, that didn't work. Have you got a backup plan for it? And uh, yeah, they're... Um they don't have one, really. They say they do. It's like, yeah, of course. Of course we've got a backup strategy. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, Martin comes up with an idea and then off they pop. So, yeah. yeah. Some people don't find Miz and Martin funny. Uh, for me, it's, it's kind of part of the point is that the jokes are meant to be bad and they're like, they're, ha they're having a crack. They're, they're really enjoying themselves, but the jokes aren't actually, like, they think they're funny. It's part of it. <laughs> so, yeah. That's why it's different to, like, our truth obviously our truth is meant to be a comedy thing, but Miz and Morrison, they think they're funny rather than this is WWE saying they are funny. 
if that makes any sense. <laughs> they make it very blatant, really. It's just it, it's not always with what you see. Like it's the way the com- do the commentators laugh over it or not is the main point. If, if the commentators are laughing, then it's meant to be funny. If they're not, it's very <laughs> it's good. It's very in your face, but they're not always like blatantly linked. Whatever. I think I don't know what I'm talking about. It's for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Jim McIntyre and Sheamus in the main event. Let's get to that. Uh, also, AJ Styles, after winning the match, was on commentary. Forgot there's one more important thing to note, if I can bloody find the segment. Miz and Morrison, earlier in the show, rolled up on AJ and Omar Bahin after AJ's win, and Morrison was holding a pie. A uh, bit of a bribe to help him out in the main event. AJ agrees and happily takes the pie, of which Big Bahin goes, that's not a pie. That's a... I was trying to do deep voice, but... <laughs> not happening tonight. I have to do it my normal voice. That's not a pie. That's a cupcake. Because he's big. Because he's tall. Yeah, there was no gravel in my voice. <laughs> That's not good. Let's just drink the tea. Mm. Lukewarm tea. <laughs> Lovely, jubbly. Uh. Alright. And I will sip it again later because I can feel my... <laughs> I'm going to have to for the throat. Anyway, AJ Styles is on commentary. Miz and Morrison's attempted influence on Seamus. The money in the bank... Teasers fully bubbling as the numbers slowly grow against the WWE Champion. All for that. All it would take would be for Sheamus to turn and the Champion would be completely isolated. Uh, but he didn't bite. The man stood by his longtime friend's side. Like, yeah, I mean, not 100% like they didn't do a massive blatant angle where he, where he makes the choice. But Morrison launched him over the barricade and he was taken out for like the ending a segment bit. With all AJ Styles doing that stuff. So he was given a reason to be taken out. So it wasn't a choice that Sheamus made. So they can tease that for the coming weeks. And come TLC, that tease is there. Even if Sheamus runs on down, does he save Drew or not? Personally, I'd like to see them no, actually be friends. Because, uh, again, this is what I was just saying there. Where in not biting and immediately turning on Drew or anything, we get to see him be friends with Drew. Like They've told us for weeks now how they're like brothers. But here in this main event, they're finally showing it. <laughs> so that's great. To, again, the show don't tell stuff. They've been telling us for ages. But now they're actually showing it. And the showing bit actually has to last. And this is where WWE fall quite a bit. <laughs> I'll bring up the reference of Kevin Owens in the New Day. He joined them for one week before turning on them. So why would we care? <laughs> There's, Yeah, why, why would anyone care that he did it? But yeah. Ah, anyway. <laughs> but that's a case of point. I would, personally, I'd have Sheamus not turn on Drew through TLC. Maybe keep it going to the Royal Rumble or something. Do you want to repeat the Royal Rumble thing where he turns on them in the Royal Rumble costume there? Uh, I don't know. TLC might be a better place to do it because then you can build to WrestleMania better. Even though I'm a massive fan of show of Showers still just telling us and it's been weeks of telling us I guess the issue is, the weeks of telling us far outweigh the the weeks of showing us. So, again, it's it's not, at least they are showing us. That's an improvement over past years. As in, the, in past years, you'd get the build on this show and maybe you'd get the turn next week. So, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe you did it. And it's like, you gave us like one week of, at least you gave us a week of build. <laughs> Whilst now I can say, no, for like, uh, I want to say a couple of months they've been doing these Drew and Sheamus things, at least to the build to Survivor Series. Can't be too, uh, it's whenever the draft was, wasn't it? Since the draft, they've been having Drew and Sheamus get across how they're best friends from years ago, and they have the interactions backstage every single week. 
Uh, you clearly get to see their friendship. You see the brotherhood between them. And this week was the first week you got to see them tea together, the team together. So you saw it in action. Uh, at least uh, they showed it in action. He says, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it continuing a little longer. But I do understand. You might have a WrestleMania build to get to. And they're building that up really nicely. Have Sheamus cost Drew do something at WrestleMania. Plus, you got the other thing of Drew McIntyre putting Roman Reigns in his sights to get revenge for what happened at Survivor Series, where Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre in that point of, I had him beat, he had to call down Jey Uso. He went from a Drew McIntyre saying that he saw a confident man walk into the ring, and slowly, over the course of the match, he saw that confidence change to fear, and he needed Jey Uso to come down to compete him. So, yeah. But that also means the character of Drew McIntyre might even have WrestleMania plans in his eyes to maybe go back to Roman Reigns for something. But if Sheamus then costs him that, and then he's facing Sheamus at WrestleMania, and it's all Sheamus' fault he doesn't get a thing of Reigns, and you get your Reigns build for Drew <laughs> for next year as well. Again, massive applause. If That's what I would do, personally. Give Drew a... Say emotional match. I mean, uh, it mean in terms of like it's not tight, it's not all about gold or glory, but it's a like a, a relationship kind of rivalry with Sheamus this year. Then next year you do Drew vs Reigns, and he, hopefully you've not mucked it up <laughs> by then. So yeah, that's what I do. But that is in the world of long term booking, of which WWE doesn't really do. So you can expect normally everything they kind of teasing normally happens within a short window. So you yeah, you see all that stuff anyway. The match itself, it, it, the match built nicely. Uh, McIntyre at the end, uh, I mean, it was really short though. I think the main event started with like 10 minutes left of the show. And uh, McIntyre in the end was calling for the Claymore. Sheamus wanted in, but got pulled off the apron and chucked over the barricade. And the commentator sold it as if it was hard concrete. And uh, so that's what it was, I guess. Keep, let's keep it in kayfabe. <laughs> and in flew AJ Styles once again, the phenomenal forearm to down the champion. And DQ obviously immediately, Miz is not happy, uh, but AJ is shouting at Miz to cash in. But the lad's like busy yelling at AJ for costing him the match. Eventually, the three men get on board, and Morrison with his starship pain, and Miz setting up for the school, crushing finale. I think he hit it, can't remember. But they took too long, and eventually McIntyre was able to get back up and charge with the Claymore to take the lads out. AJ, by himself, knew the odds and bailed onto Omabihin's shoulder. He flipped like flipped over the ropes onto his shoulder. I thought, <laughs> thought that was great. Uh, ending the show for me on the hilarious image of Drew standing tall in the ring whilst AJ's carried out on a big lad's shoulder, swinging his arms, like shouting how lucky, like, you're so lucky, Drew, <laughs> that he's taking me away. It's like, ah, oh. I, uh, I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, so you're so lucky, Drew, that th that this big man's saving me from giving you a beating. Why I order? <laughs> so yeah, I I love that ending. And I'm all for AJ versus Drew. Like such a perfect match up on paper. I'm excited for TLC. What you could do there, and I can actually message uh, Asa Fresh and Sorts to say you've actually got possible. No, I'm about to say message. I have to talk to him tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, we'll play FIFA tomorrow. Yeah, so, um, yeah, content for both that and for, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My brain turns off. So anyway, I'm going to take one sip of this lukewarm tea and then I'll get go through the rest of the show. Mmm. Mmm. Mmm, yeah. Mmm, let's get that down here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there a button for me to... Do? I'll look into that later, it doesn't matter. Anyway... A moment of bliss kicked off Monday Night Raw this week, and the reports were coming out that uh, this 
segment was not universally loved backstage as like a confirmed part of the show, but apparently it was a whole Vince McMahon thing all put together. Apparently, uh, some wanted it. Didn't some thought the idea just wasn't that great? Others were like no, it just needs workshopping. Vince was fine with it apparently. Uh, but a moment of bliss with Randy Orton opened the show. Uh, Randy Orton playing the villain, explaining his entire plan before the save is made. <laughs> so, like, assure of himself that he's blending in. He's in control as normal. Alexa pretty much with the simple question, are you though? Are you sure about that? And uh, yes, uh, uh, TLC with veteran versus veteran. Can't wait for it. And so yes, The Fiend arrives like Randy Orton wanted reassuring himself that he's found the Fiend's weakness just like he did with Bray all those years ago. But when the lights come back up, Bliss was being carried by Orton, who calmly walked up to the Fiend and passed her over before pissing off quickly. And again, I assumed the point of this segment was to raise who's actually in control. That's what the dialogue told me. It was who's in control. And Randy Orton was like, I found it. And the next Bliss is, have you though? Fiend shows up, she's on... His in his arms gets passed over to the fiend, and as I thought, the entire segment was that made Randy Orton feel like he's in control. But is he? That, that's how I took away the segment until the commentators started immediately explaining into our ears. <laughs> so just with the line of like, "Looks like Randy Orton's found that weakness, and it what, and it's Alexa Bliss." So oh, oh, am I overcomplicating the story here? <laughs> am I reading too much into it? So yeah. Uh, uh, reading the comments again at least AJ Styles got his peach pie he did he got his big ass peach cupcake <laughs> so yeah so if you're like the kind of line I take again is if you're ever wondering what for definite is the story they're telling just go with what the commentators are saying more often than not that is what they were aiming for because quite often it's lost in translation and then if you listen to the commentators they explain it or you can be like, oh, this is awesome, this is great. And then I listen to the commentators, like, oh, they're not talking about any of that. None of that's relevant. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It doesn't help that sometimes they purposely don't have commentators pick up on things. But that's not a consistent trait, I'd say, of WWE. Uh, but, yeah, so I was a little bit like, oh, I was, I really enjoyed that. Randy Orton thinks he's in control, but is he really? And then the comments go, no, 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 he is. So, oh, okay, then. <laughs> I was, I was I was interested in that getting the like the the two playing a game where Randy Orton generally thinks he's winning, but the Fiend's playing that longer game, like he knows what he's doing. He needs to give Randy Orton control, so just so he can trick him into thinking he's got it. I mean, it is how it will play out, but I always do we again. I try not to overthink it in my head and just well, wait. What did Tom say? What did Tom Phillips say <laughs> when it ended? If I listen to that, I was like, oh okay, pretty simple. So, yeah, so. A person, and hopefully, I, I I hope it's more complex than that. And it was a does he actually have control though? I would wouldn't like it to be Randy Orton's got his number. He's the first man to control him. It's like ah, oh, that's a that's a bit more simple than I personally like. They can run it. They can it can work it. Like personally, the TV stuff for the Fiend is easy when he's at his best. And then so quite often when he comes to pay per views, it's uh, it's fine. But I, yeah, I don't, I I like the mind games at all. Anyway. The opposite of mind games is a symphony of destruction. Jeff Hardy versus Elias. A fun old brawl with musical instruments for weapons packed in with 24-7 randomness before the ad break. Because, yeah, of course Artru's hiding in a piano. Of course he is. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you fall, 
pun pretty much intended. <laughs> this match will be remembered for the dangerous final spot. Uh, Jeff Hardy going to Swanton Bomb off the ring post through some tables on the outside, but they were between the steps and the barricade, aka really not enough room for such a landing. Well, definitely safely do that rotation, uh, especially. Hardy's head landing inches away from like real damage on the final on the final steel step or the first depending on which way you walk in as he crashed through the table like luckily he's fine and immediately started playing a tambourine <laughs> but like bloody hell that looked scary for a second you just saw him rotate over land and it's like oh crap like he could have been like right on the edge there as in it if he had maybe landed a bit flatter it would have been on the edge that is like crazy lucky type of stuff yeah, of of course Jeff Hardy has a near, like, crazily dangerous accident and just immediately starts playing the tambourine. <laughs> of course he does. Is there anything more Jeff Hardy? Uh, the match beforehand was packed full of silliness. Uh, Wolverine guitar picks punch. I popped for that. <laughs> uh, drum roll into a donk on the head. Like, dun -dun 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 <laughs> I like that as well. A knee charge into a gong. <laughs> Why not? Uh, it didn't end there either. We got a guitar shot to a counter... Sorry, to counter the whisper in the wind. Uh, electric shock via amplifier. Just a little note, if a mighty went in with the guitar, which is made of wood, how did he get electrocuted? <laughs> and also, uh, yeah, it's a science question. Uh, and, and of course, big boy cello to the back. <laughs> so personally, yeah, I was all down for this silliness. Uh, my number one thing with this sort of thing is put it in your first hour. If you don't put it in your first hour, I'm likely to feel negative about it. and It'll feel a bit like silly filler. But if you put it in your first hour, I'm fine with it. Second segment for me is perfect. And just like the match at Hen in a Cell, like after an opening more serious bit, then you have Hardy and Elias go out there. I mean, I can understand why a lot of people might be tired of the feud. Because Hardy versus Elias have been, feels like... It feels like the kind of feud that's just not going to finish. They just carried it over from SmackDown to this show and it's just not going to end. <laughs> so, uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those where because I have, because I'm not really taking investment in it, I, I can't. It's, I can't really feel any emotion, any emotion to it. Rather than ah, this match was a bit of silly fun. <laughs> For me, there's no other takeaway. It's a bit of silly fun. I've got no moaning feelings to what. Oh, they, oh does this feud is to end? Then they're gonna. Oh, they're never gonna move on. It's like I don't really care. <laughs> like yeah, I. It was a bit of silly fun. I enjoyed myself watching the silly fun. I've got no other commentary on that. <laughs> so yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I saw some people say, oh, the guitar pick thing, that wouldn't hurt. Have you used a guitar pick? <laughs> they are they are plastic. Like, curved. Yes, they're curved on the end, but it's still relatively spiky. If I got, uh, no, you won't want to see my calluses. <laughs> but yeah, the guitar, the guitar pick thing, that would hurt. Yes, obviously. Anyway, the... Uh, Bit after that was Keith Little, Keith Little, Keith Lee and Riddle <laughs> ramble at their little meeting backstage, which then led us into the first match that made me think, hmm, I might struggle with this show. It was Ricochet versus Slapjack, aka a main event match, as in the show main event, somehow makes it onto Raw. Uh, before the match, Ali cut a promo on Richard, not joining Retribution and facing the consequences henceforth. Uh, from Slapjack, uh, yeah, Ricochet will be fine, lads. <laughs> Mustafa Ali in the match tried to work the distraction, but Dana Brooke showed up with a message for Mia Yim. Uh, what is her? I've legit forgotten her crap gimmick name. Reckoning. That's it. In the form of a slap to Mustafa Ali. 
Uh, Ricochet then ran via on Retribution, taking down each man one by one before Slapjack won with a roll-up. Retribution's most dangerous move. <laughs> and also their most susceptible. Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a balancing act. It's a, their strongest strength in terms of victories, also their greatest weakness. <laughs> oh, the Ret oh, it's a, That's not the story they're telling, that's the story I've been told. <laughs> so I like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but there's more retribution later, so I can go into them when I talk about the Mia Yim match. But yeah, I had a bit of a laugh of uh, Slapjack winning with a roll up before later in the show. Mia Yim, you losers to a roll up. <laughs> well, I did like at least uh, Mia Yim attacking Dana Brooke, taking, them, taking her out of Survivor Series, and then this week Dana Brooke's like, no, I'm, I want to fight her. But yeah, I like that continuity. And in, a, in these past few years, that would have been dropped. But this year, there is some attention to detail. It's a massive. Again. For me, in terms of like world building, they're not they're, again. Raw's not at a point where I can compare it to for me NXT or AEW or New Japan or whatever. But it's a massive improvement over the past few years. I can I can't I can't ignore that. It's this show now is not 2019 bad. It is so for me. It's like miles better. Anyway, before I get into the next segment, do I think Drew Mac? Do I do I think do I like Drew McIntyre's new attire? Drew. Drew McIntyre. <laughs> there we go. Do I like Drew's McIntyre? Yes, I do. I need to pass that on to Ash. That was a that's a that's a top pun that one. <laughs> Remember it's like cancel. Drew McIntyre. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get off that tangent. I've been on that one for a little while. Uh, do I like? I do like it. Yes. It's, it, I think what helped with it was it came with the new entrance. It came with the Claymore Sword Fire entrance, <laughs> apparently, which was meticulously put together with like Drew and Vince working for ages to get the timing like perfect, and so with the fire and everything. Uh, I think who was Drew talking to? He was interviewed by some by an outlet. It might have just been like Fox News in America or something. Fox, it would be Fox Sports stuff, whatever it is. And uh, I think he just said. That he turned, he was thinking, yeah, I wear a kilt, I make it special. Next thing he knows, he's got a claymore sword and his fire and, <laughs> and everything. Uh, I feel like that helped, kind of, to add to this new presentation for Drew McIntyre as he, uh, he feels like a top guy and it solidifies it. So yeah, yes, I'm totally in for it. But also, don't let me forget the Drew McIntyre pun. <laughs> I need to remember that because I won't. Again, I'm a four-hour sleep. I'm gonna forget this show as soon as it's done. Anyway, Asuka and Lana versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Fair to say this match had a tad of sloppiness to it. Asuka and Baszler were solid as usual, but uh, the Lana and Nia mistimings, they didn't break the match or anything, but they did provide a, like a tad of a chuckle, which means I've been taken out of it a bit. The babyfaces scoring the win for the second week in a row as Lana scores the upset pin due to Nia being so tunnel-visioned on the Survivor Series Soul Survivor. Lana may be the clear, weaker competitor on her team, but Jack is becoming more and more the weakness of hers. And you know what? I kind of like that role reversal. Nia slowly becoming the exact thing she was criticising as Shayna brews her anger in the background. I was like, yeah, I really like that. And Shayna's going to kick her out as the weak link she's becoming because of her fixation on Lana. Like, ah, oh, yes. It's the thing that's actually going somewhere. And <laughs> I can see an arc taking place. I just, you know, because the commentators haven't outright said it, I just hope it's actually happening. <laughs> it's not me reading into something. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, after that we got, uh, I guess, a little bit of a gripe, even though I'm enjoying them. Uh, the uh, Xavier Woods versus Cedric Alexander. Have I missed any segments backstage? I don't think I have. 
So Xavier Woods was joined by Kofi Kingston and Cedric Alexander joined by MVP and Shelton Benjamin of the Hurt Business. No Bobby Lashley, we, we, would, we would see him later. And uh, as the Hurt Business make their way out, uh, where are the other teams, shouts Woods, <laughs> as the Hurt Business's theme plays. So yeah, my sentiment exactly. At least we weren't given like Sheltie B, Cedric versus New Day again. Uh, at least we didn't get that for the third week in a row. And fourth since the draft, as in not fourth week in a row, but it's the fourth time since the draft and the third week in a row. Just, again, the reason it really sticks out now is because I watch, if when you watch AEW, you see how rotation works perfectly fine and you keep a feud alive without getting tired of the feud by the time it happens on pay-per-view. Case in point here, I do not want to see New Davis's Hurt Business at TLC anymore. Because I've seen it three times, <laughs> seen it three times before before we get there, and also we've seen the different singles matches between them as well. So they've all been interacting with the same people, and that's my kind of praise for NXT and AEW. When you have when you have like a, a tag team world or whatever, they face different people, they and they still have the rivalry. They also interact, but they're not in the ring against the same people every single week till the pay per view where you again see them in the ring with the same people. And that's and I've um, I thought before like that it's not exactly a match here tonight that freshened things up, but at least they didn't give us the exact same match again. Like edging closer and closer to hitting those street profits versus Andrade and Garza fatigue levels in like record time. Like want to know why numbers of WWE viewers, including myself, tire of rivalries so quickly? This is exactly why. <laughs> there is no mix like just the lack of mixing it up during the feud and then the feud change is the mixing it up it just means we get tired of feuds because we're seeing the exact same people interact oftentimes in the exact same matches every single week one after the other just you don't have to do that <laughs> case in point is both nxt and aw and then i keep bringing up nxt and not just saying aw because it's like it's happening in your own company <laughs> it is a, a case in point of yeah you can bug a tag division i mean what what to be fair, it's it's the type of thing where the person in charge has to actually care about the tag division. And that's like one of the number one things, it's pretty clear. Vince McMahon has just never really cared for it. And that that's what happens with this. You end up with the same small group of people just constantly wrestling each other. As Xavier Woods shouts, where are the other tag teams? And it's like, yeah, when the person in charge doesn't really care. And you see the attention to a detail elsewhere. So... I'm not saying, oh, it's because Vince is out of touch, can't do anything anymore. No, I'm clearly seeing it in the main event. But in the tag scene, you can see the lack of attention to detail. So you're running the same stuff over and over again, and you just get tired with it. But the match was great. Like, the match itself was strong yet again. A, I've got it a nice showcase for Woods, even though he lost. Like He's probably the one member of the New Day who could really benefit from such a solo showing. However, the momentum swung against him after Alexander impressively countered a dive and sent the lad crashing into the barricade, back in the ring, and followed up with the lumbar check for the win. After the match, a gaff or a character bit? <laughs> I couldn't tell. As Cedric, all caught up in the emotion of the win, runs up the ramp, just tensing his muscles, like, yeah, I did it! Like, yes, yes! As I told you, yeah! And he's tensing his, yeah, tensing his muscles and stuff. <laughs> up on the ramp, as MVP and Shelton are in the ring, like, what? What? what's he doing? <laughs> it's just... Like, hey, I mean, what it, they looked like, they were like, well, the segment was meant to end with us raising Cedric's hand or something, and now he's 
doing his own thing. So what, what do we do? Or that was the segment and Cedric wasn't with them. He was like, what's he doing? And that was what was meant to happen. So, yeah. Either way, it's happened. It's either a little thing showing that Cedric is still not perfectly aligned with the group. Yeah, I don't know if we should go into it. Anyway, after that, I finally make it to the segment that I started talking about at the start of the show. And I finally get to talk about it. It's retribution time, everybody. Uh, I thought I was about to say the first line of their theme and then... Nope, it's not there. <laughs> no idea what that is. Dana Brooke versus Amiya Yim. And again, nice to see continuity from Survivor, from before Survivor Series. I just assumed after Survivor Series, just pushed out a cannon. Just doesn't exist anymore. But no, continuity. It's nice. Uh, two retribution matches in one show. And they didn't look strong in either. Yay! <laughs> so far, their deadliest weapon's been the roll-up. And as I said earlier, also their greatest curse. Oh. Uh, shortly followed by a uh, straight-up loss. So, yeah. Right now, for me, Retribution, they feel like jobbers. And my prediction from, I want to say, a month or two ago was at the Royal Rumble, Retribution, quick eliminations like the jobbers they are. And Royal Rumble will be where... As in, that will affirm it at the Royal Rumble. They'll get eliminated quickly like jobbers. And for me, that affirms it. That's it. At the Royal Rumble is where their momentum fully dies. That is my prediction. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm going with. And, oh, wait, yes, you're right. I've got notes on one more segment after this match. Yes, thank you for the chat to point that out. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. And uh, so how was this match? How was Dana Brooke versus Mia Yim? Well, Mia Yim's mask fell off almost immediately. <laughs> Great. Uh, the comedy of it, uh, commentary not even bringing it up. And in unison, my entire timeline was just like, oh my god, it's Mia Yim all this time? It's been her? That's crazy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, uh, I, I love that. But also, it did just make me laugh that commentary didn't even note that her mask had fallen off. Like, it's that inconsequential to the to everything? <laughs> uh, also, it also just paints for me, paints retribution. The whole group was also painted as inconsequential because a thing that was popped up as like a major part of their kind of presentation, falls off, not even mentioned. Just pretend it's... Just ignore it's happened. All right? <laughs> All right, then. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Ali tries a distraction. It doesn't work. As Mia Yim tries to follow up and charge with a high boot, uh, doesn't work. And instead, get she gets rolled up to lose her debut via roll-up from Dana Brooke. Uh, at least Retribution has some consistency. They lose all the time. <laughs> right. uh, but I prefer the story that their greatest weapon is also their strongest curse and weakness in, <laughs> in the roll-up. I love, uh, conveniently, I love that. Uh, that could be a thing. It's not a thing, but that's how I'm, what, that's the group for me now. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, uh, then we got the Miz and Morrison trying to bribe with Pi. And finally, the final thing to talk about is the fact that they are building up to Matt Riddle MVP. Matt Riddle was backstage recovering from his loss earlier in the show. Uh, MVP rocks up to rub in the loss. Uh, Riddle, obviously just enthusiastic, gives the man some more business ideas. This time with a... I was pretty certain it was a lawnmower hire service. <laughs> like, something about rocking up with a van full of lawnmowers and we'll clean the place off. <laughs> it's just, yeah, continuing awful ideas. And uh, that's what I think it was. Repeating the same segment from last week with Riddle's exact reactions to MVP's shutdown and all, it's like, huh? 
Uh, this time, not cracking MVP, but obviously because it cracked him last week, it gets another stab at it. <laughs> but this time, Bobbily Lashes lashes out and locks in the Hurt Lock as he throws the man about. Uh, the Hurt Business with a short and sweet message. Uh, yeah, to Matt Riddle. I'm building up Matt Riddle versus... Uh, I assume MVP. I don't know if he's going to. Don't know if Bobby Lashley getting inserted there is. He's going to go for the US title at TLC, maybe. But yeah, I. For me, the big one is Lashley versus Keith Lee. Uh, I'd love to see. I mean, we did see it last week on Raw, but uh, like we had the finish taken away from us. So to actually get a finish, may, maybe even WrestleMania, like Keith Lee wins the title, because uh, the other stuff is all kind of uh, in, starting to fall in stone a little bit. I'm assuming. I hope. I hope they like. For me personally, whenever I've like tried to picture stuff in my head, I do it from like November to WrestleMania specifically. If I'm trying to think, when would you start doing? If you're WWE, when would you start doing stuff? And it's like going to Survivor Series, and then well, bang, you can slowly you can introduce your slowly building stuff after Survivor Series, then your quick stuff or full throttle <laughs> or down the fast lane at WrestleMania uh, Royal Rumble afterwards, and uh, yeah. With, with me, Keith Lee, go for the US title. Fine with that. That's what I'd do. Just because he's not going to be... He's not going to fall into the WWE Championship picture. And I'd be scared of him falling out of the thing stuff completely if he's not going for the title. <laughs> but I felt like that match with Bobby Lashley was a nice little teaser without giving it all away. Then he can have the two big lads like, collide at WrestleMania. Depending... Of course, who knows what state the world's going to be in come then. And I guess there's one like final piece of news was, uh, I think it was this weekend, there's going to be a decision as to whether WWE are allowed a capacity of sorts for the Royal Rumble in January, which is only a month away now. And uh, apparently that decision is going to be next week. Either this week or this weekend. It will be ruled whether they can have fans in for the event. And, yeah, because, again, I reckon it will go through because Florida's been pretty... <laughs> with it. Uh, yeah. So maybe it'll go through. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not extremely versed. But if I'm right, it was this weekend or maybe this week that is going to be happening. Anyway, so keep your eye on that. It might have an attended show for the Royal Rumble. Doesn't mean it's wise, but it might happen. So yeah, we never hear football grounds are allowing. I think it was a max of two thousand or ten percent of your capacity. I think it was. So of course, the lower league clubs, uh, you know, because again, football here massive. Like. It's, there's like four divisions, then there's the conference below that. <laughs> so uh, non-league football as well is a big thing. So 10% of their thing would not be 2,000. But you, you can't go over 2,000. So for your big clubs with your 50, 70,000 seat arenas, they uh, they can only have 2,000. Which, again, I feel like that's smart to kind of drip feed it in if you're going to. Doesn't mean it's like actually wise to do it, but, you know, they, they're doing it. So I'm saying it's happening in my country, so I can't criticise it too much like, if it happens in Florida. It is happening here in the UK as well, allowing certain numbers of fans. Obviously, we're at two very different points of a pan of street, uh, dealing with a pandemic in our countries. But uh, I, I thought I'd at least bring up that comparison. Because I'm critiquing from a country that is also letting fans back in. Uh, starting, I think, next week. I, can't, I think it was. I think it was next week. Yeah. Anyway, in terms of the review of Law... I thought the main event stuff was great. For me, a little bit, bit too much repetition in the middle. Uh, Retribution, uh, they just fully feel like jobbers to me now. <laughs> so I'm not... 
for me, they have zero momentum, and I expect. And my prediction is they die at Royal Rumble, momentum-wise. Just they fully become jobless, and that sucks because like every member of that group is great. <laughs> it's just yeah, they've just been the, the, the gimmick was dead. It's just it's <laughs> as soon as they came up with those masks, it's like it's a it's a miracle it's still going on. And me improved. Don't even need the masks. <laughs> when they fell off, no one cared. Just didn't acknowledge it had happened. <laughs> so, uh, but the arc was uh, Mustafa Ali shouting at her for losing the mask. Like, Retribution don't lose. Yeah, they do <laughs> consistently. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but my Retribution story is their greatest weapon. Is they also their greatest curse? <laughs> How will they survive? Will they be able to survive teetering on such an obstacle? Anyway, that's a, that's a massive tangent. Uh, that's the end of the review. As you can tell, I've been babbling on for about five minutes. Uh, uh, yeah, decent more. That's what it's meant to be doing. It's meant to be reviewing a final kind of takeaway bit, uh, sentence, phrase for, for my overall review of the show. Uh, Many of it stuff is grand, the rest is skippable. There you go. Uh, which is, I, I would, because um, these last two weeks I've just solidly enjoyed. It's like, no, the, the shows have flowed really well, I really enjoyed them. This was a week a bit further back to oh, the middle of the card for me, just felt very fillery. But the stuff to do with the WWE Championship was all great. So, that's why that's why it's like a positive-negative review. As a show overall, for me, this is one of those you watch on YouTube. I just watch the WWE Championship stuff. There's not really any point in watching the rest of it. Uh, that would include, though, quite a few segments. <laughs> and I guess the Randy Orton and The Fiend is slowly building to something. So, obviously, it's in the slowly building point. So, again, you can watch that on YouTube. Don't need to watch the entire show for that. So, yeah. well, to be fair, that's still my recommendation for all. Because the past two weeks they, for me, were outliers. And I was like, oh my god, I'm actually enjoying the flow of a Raw show. That's great. But with the norm, is my recommendation is like just pick the segments you want from YouTube. That's how I recommend you watch Raw. Like, my recommendation at the moment is, still isn't, watch the show. Because uh, for me, off this entire era, they've done two shows and in the past two, they're the ones that I really uh, found easy to watch. I'll say that. <laughs> right. Anyway, that's the end of the review of a decent Raw packed full of a bit bit too chunky with filler but built to TLC really nicely which as we found out is on the 20th of December so that's only 18 days away that's really not that long Christmas is going to rock it up quick <laughs> anyway with that I am going to go get some sleep because I desperately need it I feel like I did alright we'll <laughs> when I go and listen to it back in editing oh, I might cringe at the tiredness did I say anything stupid we'll find out uh, anyway I'll be back on here on this channel on Thursday with the NXT review might be joined by somebody, if not, uh, I'll double check that. And I will be live on Twitch, obviously. I'm live on Twitch. Uh, thank you. Yes, good re good review live stream. Thank you very much. means a lot. Um, I'm, I'm proud I can still read it. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Eyes are so blurry. Uh, anyway, I'll be back on this channel of the NXT review on Thursday. Tomorrow, if you want to see more me, I'll be on uh, the Wrestling Shorts uh, Twitch account, live streaming some FIFA with Ash of Wrestling Shorts. Site Council remind me of my amazing Drew McIntyre pun. Because <laughs> I will forget it. Hopefully, me saying it so many times, I won't forget it. But again, I'm on four hours sleep. Who knows what I'll remember. <laughs> Come tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, so with that, I say thank you for watching, listening. Uh, you can watch, follow me on Twitter at the damn impacat. That's damn as in damn. Uh, you can donate on Red Circle if you do so wish so. 
Uh, I'm not going to force anyone to do that. There's a link on the Red Circle post. I'll put the Red Circle link. I think there's a link in the description to take you to Red Circle. I should probably put a link, the, just a direct link. <laughs> Make it so much easier rather than leading people through hoops. Anyway, that's specifically for the radio stuff. Uh, if you want to donate to that, I'm not going to push anyone to do that. But I will be back on Thursday with some NXT. So with that, I say thank you for listening. This is what I tried to do earlier. Listening, listening, watching, five-star reviewing, subscribing, clicking the bell. And I feel like I've forgotten something else, but if you did it, thank you. <laughs> so with that, uh, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.